and hopefully we'll be ready to go into 13 and our show for next quarter will be I'm going to start all over Hello, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Hi, I'm Tony, and my co-host is Marty. Hey, Marty, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Hey, you sound a lot better this time. I know last time we recorded, you were finding a little bit of a cold. Yeah, that thing that's going around the country now, it kind of got me, had some cough. I appreciate you taking care of that and editing it out for our few listeners from podcast number one. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of coughing editing that had to be done, so I think we took care of it, though. Hey, you needed to practice with the software. Appreciate you taking care of that. Man. True, no problem. And uh, just for those who might have missed our pilot episode, and if you did, be sure to go back, take a listen to it. You can pick us up on our blog site. Uh, was it? What is that again? Is it RollDiceTakeNames.com? Yes. That's right. Yeah, we, we shortened it up there because some of us are lazy and typing. Okay, me, but that's all right. But once again, my name is Tony, and I'll be... Uh, joining Marty today, we're going to talk about our countdown to 2013. I mean, everybody's got a countdown show, so we thought we'd get one in. Uh, if you didn't listen last time, like I said, we we're just trying to come up with some ideas to educate people on board gaming, the hobby that we both enjoy. We found a while back, and we just wanted to share our experiences. And like I said, this is number two. Marty? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. You've kind of hit the nail on the head with everything that we're trying to do. And and uh, we had like last episode was kind of an introduction to the Christmas and now with the new year on us. Uh, we also want to do our top list, but we're doing going to do it a little bit different instead of a top five or top 10. We're doing top one because people don't want to waste their time with all those other in the list. They just want to hear what the number one is. So we're just going to get right to it. So that and well, it's just easier okay anyway. that's true we're trying to keep this under 30 minutes also and otherwise we would talk about all the other ones so we thought if we just did one we could keep it under that 30 minute clock and that's right and so with that we're going to go into something that we hope is a stable on our show we're going to go into casual corner last time we talked about settlers of Catan. Catan. we couldn't decide we used them both last time so we appreciate everybody not hitting us up on that for the input pronunciation problems we had with that but so marty what do we have this week on uh casual corner this week we're going to look at ticket to ride let's get to it for this casual corner we're going to be looking at another game that i actually found many years ago and it was actually right after settlers of Catan, and it's called ticket to ride this is a game by a company called days of wonder and it was released in 2004. It is a game that uses two to five players, takes about one hour to play, and the genre of the game is a, it's a hand management card drafting game. Now, the whole theme of the game is you're given a map of the United States, and you're trying to build uh, basically tracks between different cities on the United States, uh, you and your uh, opponents. And as you build tracks you gain victory points. The longer the track, 
uh, the more victory points you gain. And also during the game, you're trying to connect different cities with your one color of track. And the destinations that you're trying to create are hidden from the other players. So at the beginning of the game, uh, you draw some destination cards. And those on that card, it has a, you're trying to get from, say, from New York City to Miami. And so your goal is to build a train track of your color of trains all the way from any of any path possible from New York down to Miami. Well, they have different destinations going on across the nation. The longer the destination, the more victory points you get. And at the end of the game, uh, not only do you have all those points that you got during the game building the roads or the, the tracks, if you complete your destinations that you had drawn, you also get additional points for those and the person with the most points at the end wins. Well, the way you build your tracks, like I said, is everybody has a particular color of trains they have. And I cannot remember how many uh, trains you have. It's uh, 40, 50 trains. Now I'll, I'll look that up in a second. It's 45. Thank you so much. Hey, I said 40 to 50. I, you nailed it Good right job, there. Man. Yeah, that's, there that's right off memory too. So you have 45 trains and you have a deck of cards and each card has a color on it. Now the color corresponds to tracks on the board. So for example, there may be a uh, track between two cities and the color of the track may be red. And say there's five segments of that track. Your goal is to collect five red cards and when you do, you can play, turn in those five red cards and put your trains on that track to complete the track. Now, there's also gray tracks, which can take any matching color. And then there's another type of card called a locomotive, which is basically a wild card. So you can make it any color you want. So over the course of the game, uh, you have uh, cards in your hand. And during your turn, you can draw uh, a new card off the table there are going to be five cards in front that you can see what colors they are or you can draw blind from the top of the deck and if you take a card that's face up you replace it with the card that's from the deck so there's always five out there so you can either draw a couple cards during your turn or you can uh, place track or you can draw new destination cards which you may want to do if you complete the destination cards that you drew at the beginning of the game now this is a game like i said i played many years ago and as an introductory game into your stout game, it really worked well with our family. Uh, the rules, I think, are just a tad easier to learn than what maybe Settlers was. And the, the gameplay is just a little bit quicker. And it seemed like that those who were less compelled to try new games seemed to actually favor ticket more so than Settlers. And that would be people like my parents. They were able to grasp the concept and, and really get into it and enjoy it. Now, as a parent, I, what I thought was really neat was there's all these different cities all over the map. And it actually helped my kids, geography-wise, to learn where major cities are in the United States and where they're located on the map. So, hey, you know, a plus one for me for playing an educational game uh, with the kids. Now, Tony, I'm not sure when you first tried it. I know... Actually, you just borrowed it from me a couple of weeks ago, and you said you played it recently, but you've played it before then, right? No, I haven't. I've only um, seen your family play it when we were playing another game, 
And that was the only time I've ever gotten an opportunity is when you let me borrow it. And I borrowed it because I knew it's an introductory game, like you're saying, and a fairly easy one to teach. Um, and, you know, I've, I've got some visitors in the house um, this week and trying to teach someone, like you said, your parents, Marty, um, my in-laws, teaching them game, trying to teach them settlers. Oh, it was a disaster. This picked it up in no time. Why was settlers a disaster? Because they, they didn't understand the probability of roles and trying to understand that concept. They just couldn't, they couldn't understand the multiple managers of resources. Putting a train on a color was fairly simple. Okay. Okay. Probably the, the one thing that threw them off was that their color train was also some of the colors of the cards. And, and it's a great game, but that to me, if they had just figured out a different color scheme than the trains that you're using, might even have made it a little bit more simple because I don't know how many times I had to remind somebody that, okay, that's a red train doesn't mean that it can only go on the red tracks on the board. You're matching cards. Okay. Since you mentioned that, that just actually triggered something in me. That's right. My mom had a huge issue with that. She was, say, for example, like you used the example, her trains were red. The color of the trains only indicate the different players. There's five different colors, There's so there's up to five players. So it has nothing to do with red trains having to go on red track. So you're right. For those who don't play a lot of games, I did have to keep explaining that multiple times that, no, no, you just don't have to build on red tracks. It's just so you can keep track of which trains are yours. Right. And one of the things we <laughs> when we were playing, um, we kept forgetting to mark the score track. And I don't know if it was just because we were so trying to follow our destinations or anything like that. But um, we had to stop and count occasionally. But, you know, usually when I teach a game, I end up, I always lose. And that's probably because I'm concentrating on the rules and not the strategy. Hey, I won this one. I was like, oh, this this is top notch. Did you win uh, due to destination cards? Oh, yeah. I had a um, Los Angeles to New York. And I also had a New York to Dallas and a Dallas to another Atlanta. So all of mine were on the same path. And that's another thing I, I've, I noticed the next time we played. Um, my wife won, and she had five destination cards, and they were all using the same general layout that she had. Now, one thing that not being the strategists that we are, you know, with this game, everybody's concentrating on destination tracks. I started thinking, how can I mess somebody up? How can I stop their plans? And kind of just, you know, only handle two destination cards just to see how that would work. Well, obviously it worked because you won. That was the first game. The second game I lost. Oh, okay. Okay, (laughs) yeah. So my kids have a huge issue when I do that to them. So you, first off, you don't know what the other people, what the other people's destination cards are. So you have no clue where they're trying to build a track. So sometimes you don't purposely mess up somebody, but it just happens. And I have seen... Not, I haven't gotten to any rage quits, but I think I've seen some that are pretty close. When you take that little segment of track 
that so desperately somebody else needs to complete their track. And now they have to reroute all the way around the map in order to get to where they're going. It is frustrating. It, it is, but that that's the strategy. You have to realize that when are you in jeopardy of losing that one section from uh, Santa Fe to, I think it was Los Angeles, my daughter put her train on there and bam, now I'm had to, now I'm having to route around where there's all six trains or, um, which is very of one color. I think it's a black one on the bottom on the, on the uh, south side of the map that runs down there. And I'm looking at that. Well, I was hosed. My destination couldn't be done, but that's part of the game which I think is brilliant. I mean, it's, you can play it multiple ways, try to win it multiple ways, but it's a fairly easy strategy game to pick up. I agree with you there. Um, matter of fact, I got rave um, reviews uh, from everybody. When I thought, whenever they come and visit, I always try to teach them a new game. And from last year, when I tried to teach them another game we'll do later, Small World, this one got rave reviews, such rave reviews, that they even said they were going to go out and buy the game. I said, really? Well, guess what? The week before Christmas, it's on sale at Target right now. And for those people that are gamers in your family, maybe you should add it to their collection as well if you haven't finished the Christmas shopping for them. Yeah, it's good. And I just wanted to talk about one thing about the, uh, the destination cards. It just hit me. For any time that I've played this game, it comes down to the destination cards, and it comes down to drawing more destination cards as the game goes on. Now, I didn't mention this in the rules, but let me state it. At the end of the game, if you don't complete your destination, you get minus points. So if a destination card would have given you 10, if you didn't complete it, you get minus 10 off your score. Now, with some of the people I played, that scared them enough to where after they completed their original destination cards, they didn't want to take the chance of drawing anymore. Now, for me, what I've learned, and here's my little piece of strategy, at the beginning of the game, you get to draw, I believe it's three destination cards, but you only have to keep two. Correct. I never throw the third one away. I, oh, that's good. I find that I will find some way to get that third one, even to the point to where I'll probably draw some more later on. Now, the next time you draw, you draw two, but you only have to keep one. And uh, like you said with your wife, sometimes you get lucky, and the next destination card you draw, you've almost got to complete anyway. So there is a little bit of luck in, in that when drawing another destination card. If you already got it complete, that's just quick instant points for you but again for me so i've always found that destination cards are what typically puts someone over the top yeah and, and that's that and one other the final thing i don't know if you mentioned i don't remember marty is that you also get a 10 bonus points for the longest train kind of like longest road from settlers you get longest train that's 10 points and it can swing the game at the end especially when you get down towards the end where a player gets either two one or zero trains then that's the final round. That's that can really change the outcome of the game if you're not paying attention. And, and and that was one of the things that we had to keep in mind. And I think we've actually played enough now to where a lot of us are, as the game goes on, kind of keeping a track of where we are in the longest train competition. And many of us will actually try to take the tracks to help try to get that longest train because we've learned how important important that uh, ten points can be at the very end. But right. um, <clears throat> Well, we're noobs at it, and I really do appreciate you letting us borrow it, give it a shot. And so I thought it would be an excellent time for us to talk about it. Anything else? Yeah, uh, just let me just to close it out. Uh, Ticket to Ride is there's 
a lot of new flavors of Ticket to Ride out there now. So the original game was on an American map, but there are also European maps that are out. Um, uh, There's covering different areas of of different areas of the world. So uh, the only thing I don't know is I don't know if it plays any different. I don't know if it's the exact same rules or they've tweaked it some for the other, other maps. But there are a lot of variations, just like with Settlers. A lot of different expansions came out, and I haven't played them all. Same with Ticket to Ride. A lot of different expansions came out. There was a card game that came out that we actually bought that plays in like 30 minutes. Um, it's a pretty decent game. I don't think it's as good as the the full board game. But when you have a game that's popular, it won a lot of awards when it came out. Obviously, they're going to try to keep keep that game fresh by releasing new variations of it. And uh, Days, Days of Wonder has done a really good job with that. And if you were lucky enough, you could have picked it up for your iPod, Apple iPad for $2 this past week, and I did. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, actually, that's true. There's a version of that on the iPad that I also have, and you can play multiple player. It's a little bit harder to see on the iPad because the map's so small because you gotta, so you got to zoom in to kind of see things. But it's, it's a pretty faithful translation of the actual board game, so it's worth looking into. Well... We're going to move on to our next segment of the podcast here, the countdown to the end of the year, which in our, like Marty said at the beginning, where we're just basically going to review a few things, you know, keep the numbers light here. And probably one of the first thing we're going to do is talk about our favorite game of 2012. What game caught our eye? What game caught our attention? And probably for me, sorry about that, um, was... A uh, game that came out near the end of the year. We were hadn't heard anything about it. Suddenly, Marty, you threw it out to me, and it had. I think it was Netrunner by Fantasy Flight Games, another one of their living card games. I don't know why, but I think there was just there's something about that game. Maybe because it's not your typical ogres and and warlocks and things like that. It's corporations, it's hacking, I like the theme. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk, exactly. I like how that game plays, I like the speed of that game. Um, Hopefully I'll get better at it, learn the rules a little bit better, but I look forward to those expansions. Matter of fact, we got one that just came out, can't wait to pick it up, Um, and we'll just see. What about you, Marty? What was probably your big game experience of 2012? Game experience or top game? Top game. Well, let me chime in on Netrunner because I'm actually, since you, okay. since I'm the one that kind of told you about it. But anyway. Uh, oh, this, yeah. Go ahead and take credit. Go ahead. I well, no, no. Well, okay. Well, let's face, let's face fact, our audience needs to understand. You usually send me the games and I just, I'm the lamb. I will follow. Uh, yeah. I have caused caused you to spend so much money over the past many years i'm sure so you owe me a lot for that uh not you owe, you owe back to me for saying okay we need to go try this game and i need to break down and do it which i've done a few times but anyway okay so netrunner the uh that's actually a re-release of a game uh done in the mid 90s from uh, richard garfield for people who don't know he's the guy that created the game uh magic the gathering which is the biggest collectible card game of all time and still going strong today well, he developed, designed this game back in the mid-90s, and then it, it just kind of I, I got phased out or I was no longer uh, made. And then Fantasy Flight picked up the rights to it because it kind of fit into their um, Android 
uh, based games that they had released, which is more of like a sci-fi cyberpunk type thing. So they took the concept, but instead of being a collectible collectible card game like it was in the 90s, it's now that living card game. And I very much like it too. And the reason why is because it's it's called it's asynchronous, meaning that it's a two-player game, but each player is playing a totally different game. So the corporation is playing a totally different set of rules and different types of cards than what the other side is, the the hackers or the runners do. So you, you play a game as, as one and, the, and your opponent plays as the other. Then you switch and swap. So you basically get to play two different games because it's two totally different styles. And that, that's one thing that just really appeals to me. Well, there you go. So back to the original question. What's, what's your favorite game this year? Is okay. that it? So the top game for uh, – tw- well, it was in my honorable mention. So I'm just going to throw it out there in the, okay. as the honorable mention. Here's the game that I think kind of really surprised me because I didn't realize it was going to be this good. It's a game that came out early in the year from uh, Wizards, uh, who happens to make magic, um, Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, This is a game that is based in their Dungeons & Dragons universe. um, And if people who are in Dungeons & Dragons, it's in the Forgotten Realms period. And uh, the game is a worker placement game, which is a a genre of game uh, that exists. And... I got it because I've always wanted to play some worker placement games, but I didn't want to get one that was too heady because, again, I wanted to introduce family and friends to it who aren't into hardcore gaming, and I had read that Lords of the Waterdeep was a good kind of entry worker placement game. Well, it is. I got it for the uh, the family. We played it. Um, it's easy to um, understand. It was It's fun to play. But what I was really surprised was uh, at our um, – local gaming club uh, we had an event and i brought it there and people who are a little more into gaming a little more hardcore really got into it and that's when i really saw the appeal it's like wow here's a game that not only people who don't do a lot of gaming enjoyed but people who do a lot of gaming also really liked it and many people from that night actually went out and bought that game and i'll admit when you showed it to me it was very simple to pick up very good game and and I was like, wow, you know, we can easily do this again. I won't forget the rules as easily on this one. Right. So that's probably my uh, top game of 2012. Uh, next, I think you're going to do our top gaming experience. Yeah. And for me, uh, I appreciate it once again. Once you, like you said, costing me money. My favorite gaming experience of 2012, I got to attend my first gaming con, went to an Origins. And that was very eye-opening, and I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I wish I had more experience and could have taken more advantage of it, but to me, that was probably one of my most enjoyable um, events of 2012 when it comes to the gaming, is that, that experience, uh, to, to see the crowds, to, to be able to sample some of the games, to, uh, and, and probably what, what was the best thing was taking that painting class um, that was that was really enlightening because for what we when we picked up war machine wasn't really sure i was doing it right and that kind of reemphasized to me just you know hey i'm not as bad as i thought i was at painting because because the guy really helped us along there but for me for 2012 i think my favorite game experience or gaming experience was going to origins and uh, i look forward to next year uh finding a, another gaming convention Awesome. Yeah, I, too, Origins was a great experience. Um, 
going there with you was a, was a lot of fun. And I've got that. I put it as an honorable mention because that was your top. So I didn't want to pick the exact same thing. But what really sticks out to me about our Oranges experience was they have a board game library that they have open every day. And me and you participated in that. And I'm sure you remember it was either Friday or Saturday night. We wanted to try Seven Wonders. And we checked right. that board game out. And there was a couple guys looking for a game. And they said, uh, we'll play with you. And we were trying to learn how to play it. And they, they kind of taught it to us. And and we sat there. And I can't even remember where they were from, up, up in the Midwest somewhere. Well, they had driven down for just one day. And they were going to come in. They had their pass. And they were just going to stay up all night. That's right. That's what they were doing. That's right. So we played Seven Wonders and and. Uh, did you have eminent domain at that time? You did. Yeah. Cause you went back mm-hmm. to the room and got eminent domain and we came back and we played that game. And I, I don't know how late we stayed up two or three in the morning, that experience of just finding two people that we had never met and like just immediately bonding and sitting there for hours and having the best time was that, that mean that's like what it was all about for me. I just remember oh, that experience. And the war machine tournament, the guys talking to us, helping us along, teaching us things, you know, it was just, it was, it was great. There was no doubt about it. It, it was. So what was my top was last month, uh, what well, not in, in November, this past November, there was a, a little meetup or a gaming uh, event here locally. It was called TurkeyCon. It was the day after Thanksgiving. Now my brother-in-law was in town. who's a big gamer and my oldest son wanted to go, so we all went to check it out. Well, my brother-in-law wanted to run a game of Arkham Horror, which I'd only played once. So we got there, and I uh, see he ran the game. My brother-in-law ran the game. Me and my son played, and three other people played. Well, it was the same sort of thing where we sat down with three people that we had never met. I have no idea how much we have in common, but what we did have is in common. We just liked the game. Now, Arkham Horror is a co-op game. So we sat there for three to four hours and played that game together and had the best time. Just enjoying the game, and my brother-in-law did a great job of running the game. It was fun playing it with my son being there. And after the game, we just all sat there and talked about the game and the experiences we had, and we kind of got to know each other. And to me, that's what this gaming is all about. I love to play the games, but to me, it's the community. So any of these, any of my top experiences this year are going to come from the people that I play with and the fun that I have playing with them and not necessarily what game I'm playing. Well, I hate I missed that. Uh, I wish I could have attended TurkeyCon this year. Uh, but, you know, duty calls had to take my mom to Walmart for midnight shopping. But I'm glad you had a blast. But I look forward to your brother coming back and I hold one of those games. Yeah, brother-in-law. Yep. Brother-in-law, sorry. No, yeah. that's no problem. All right. Yeah. So, next up, biggest disappointment. Well, probably for me, uh, the biggest disappointment, as much as I love Netrunner and the living card game system that Fantasy Flight has put together, probably is the inability to get cards that are in the core set separate than when you're able to buy it. Uh, you know, when you buy an expansion or something like that. Case in point, you and I both play um, the Lord of the Rings living card game, right? Correct. There's a couple powerful cards in there that you would love to have the, the three copies of. Well, there was only one in the original set. So you'd have to end up 
buying three starter sets. That to me is probably, I love the living card system. I think it's a great way going from a trading collectible system that we started with in Lord of the Rings by Decipher and having to buy booster after booster and only getting one rare out of 13 cards. I love that concept, but I, what I wish they would come out and bring their say, oh, instead of just buying the core game, here's the starter set cards. I know they won't sell the core game. Maybe they'll come out later. I don't know. And just sell those um, once the game gets picked up and gets rolling and say, okay, here you go, guys, for for competitions and things like that. Because to be honest with you, I mean, there's some Netrunner cards that I, I wish I had three copies of. But there's only two in the, the original set, or you know, Lord of the Rings. What's that card in Lord of the Rings, Marty? That we we need two of. I three? I knew you were going to ask me that, and well, of course, and I cannot remember. It's if you're playing as an Aragorn deck, there is this one card that is just absolutely almost critical to get out. And when there's only one copy, the chances of it are pretty slim. And I actually did look on eBay to see if anybody was selling it individual individually. Well, they aren't, and I wouldn't expect them to because you got to buy the core set in order to, to get it out there. And even on the Fantasy Flight forums, people have asked, can you please just release just the set of cards, and, and they won't do it. Now, granted, they did do better with Netrunner in that I don't believe there's any cards in there that there was only one copy of. I think there's some with two. Yeah, but, two, yeah. but not any with just one. So eh, at least they're a little bit better. But still, in that game, there's some I wish I had a third copy of. Right, and there's one in Lord of the Rings for uh, the, who is it? Galadriel, is that her, how you pronounce it? Galadriel. Yeah, I haven't gone to The Hobbit to hear it again. You should. Um, I know, I will. It's, it's next week we're going to The Hobbit. And there's that necklace that you have to have to help her do... Um, her willpower and it helps her build up on that and you really need three copies but to me i think that was the biggest disappointment that i had in picking up new games the living card system and having that element i think how about you what was probably your biggest disappointment in 12. okay a couple of honorable mentions when we were at origins um one of the biggest games that we saw there that was really being pushed um was um mage night made made by uh whiz kids games and that was a lot of people were buying that game and a lot of people were playing it. So over the summer, I finally got a chance to play it and I was just not impressed. And maybe I, it was just overhyped to me. There was a lot of downtime. It was an extremely long game. And it was one of those games that towards the end, I'm like, just please somebody win so this can be over. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I was getting that confused with the other Mage games we played at Origins. Uh, Mage Wars. Well, Maze Wars and Summoner Mage or something like Summoner that. Summoner Wars. So, yeah, I see. <laughs> Summoner <it>. Wars, <laughs> Mage Wars, Mage Knight. Come on, let's keep them straight. Um, my bad. That's the game last year that I was given to me um, for Christmas, and I returned it because when I first read it, it was an hour per player. Oh, my gosh. There's yeah. no way I could do that. Uh, you know? And, and you, you were smart to return it. But anyway, so another honorable mention of disappointment was actually – Big Privateer Press fan here. I enjoy their their War Machine models and stuff. Really looking forward to the board game they were coming out called Level 7. And I thought, oh, very nice. They're coming out with, uh, um, it's not a fantasy game or anything like that. It's like an alien invasion type game. And I thought, oh, cool. I like everything they do. Yeah, I wasn't too impressed with that either. It's one of those things I think the hype meter went up. And then once it came out and people started playing it, it was like people thought, eh, it's okay. But my biggest disappointment is actually not a particular game, but it's a company. 
So remember, me and you used to play. Remember when I suckered you into buying, uh, playing uh, World of Warcraft? Oh, yeah. Um, that was a great game. Yeah. Loved it. I mean, it, it was our follow-up to the Lord of the Rings by Decipher. The next thing was the World of Warcraft uh, MMO craze was going. And here comes a card game. Oh, one of our one of our passions, collecting cards and all that. Yep. Yep. So we were all over it. And at that time, it was done by Upper Deck. Well, Upper Deck sold the license to uh, another company called Cryptozoic. I actually think they may have split off from Upper Deck. But anyway, so Cryptozoic took it over. I thought, oh, cool, new new game company. And then they did a great job with um, World of Warcraft. But it seems like this year they have gotten to this mode to where they're just buying licensed IP, uh, intellectual property, and just slapping a game underneath it and hoping it will sell. And it's really starting to bother me. You, um, we had tried uh, Penny Arcade, the deck building game, which I thought Penny Arcade's pretty funny. I mean, I like them and stuff. And the game was pretty good. I kind of enjoyed it. And then they started saying, hey, we're going to come out with a DC deck building game. And we're going to come out with the Lord of the Rings deck building game. And we were at Origins. We talked to the people and they said, well, how does this play different than Penny Arcade? And they said, oh, it's kind of the same game. It's just with the different stuff slapped on it. And it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough to where uh, people just didn't really go gaga over it. And then as the as the year went on, there was a Walking Dead board game, which came out based on the, the popular TV series. But at the same time, Z-Man came out with a Walking Dead board game that got a lot better reviews. They're coming out with a Castle, the detective card game, you know, the TV show Castle. Hey, well, now, you wouldn't be so hard on this if it was Firefly, now would you? No, I wouldn't. Okay, then. Well, that's, that's, okay, but anyway, your point taken. Anyway, there's the Big Bang Theory party game, and, but I will give... Food Fight, don't forget about Food, food Fight. Food Fight, now that was an original game, and I will give credit where credit is due. At Origins, we did play a game called Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Duel at Mount Skull's Fire. That's a mouthful for you. Well, I actually you like that. Sure you get, Go ahead. Make sure you get Mount. It's Mount Skulls Fire. Skulls Mount Fire. Mount. Yes. Uh, we played it. We liked it. You bought it. I still play it today. So it's not like I just totally diss anything they do. I'm just kind of disappointed in, in where they've gone down this track. It's almost like taking, you know, lots of times bad video games come out. There'll be like some IP bought and then they'll make a bad video game around it. Just for right. the sake of making money, I just kind of feel like that's what they're doing. So that's actually kind of my biggest biggest disappointment of, of 2012 is the whole their whole company. Which brings us to our biggest surprise, and for me, you just mentioned it, was Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Duel at Mount Skull's Fire. That, to me, that game, I mean, I enjoyed it so much at Origins. Uh, the the dynamics of the cards, how the cards linked up, the borders, how you played, you're rolling dice, you're battling wizards. It's, and I'll, I'll admit some of the graphics are kind of eh, but other than that, it's I enjoy the game. I, I, I hope they come out with an expansion just because I'm tired of playing the same uh, cards over and over. I'd like to see something different either. You know different spells i think it's a great dynamic and i enjoy it however on your side you had you played it um, borrowed it for me and you had the what was it the marathon game the, the premise is you got to win twice as, a, as you got to beat all the other wizards twice but you had the ultimate five people 
and everybody kept winning one 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 or whatever it was. Exactly. Everybody, everybody won at least one game, and yeah, you have to win two forty beers. So it it was kind of a marathon session. However, we did really enjoy it. I, I will say that game creates a very fun environment, just because the cards are very comedic. The spells that in the rule state, you must read the spell out. And when you read the spells out, they're just hilarious. Um, it's very easy to play. It's, it, I mean, I guess there is some, there's probably a lot of luck involved as far as the spells you get and stuff. And, and the cards tell you exactly who to attack. So you're not strategically ta- attacking anybody that maybe is ahead or something like that. So, but I, I will admit that that is a very good game by them. Yeah, I mean, the, the cards tell you if this person's got the most health, you got to attack them. You don't get to choose. There are some that will let you choose, but either way, that was probably my uh, biggest surprise of 12. How about you? Okay, my biggest surprise of, of 2012, and I know this is going to sound odd because what this has to do with gaming, but let me get there. LucasArts selling the Star Wars franchise to Disney. Now, what in the world does that have to do with gaming? It's this. For people that are into gaming, they know that the Star Wars franchise has kind of moved around over the years. You know, that's a licensed product that um, LucasArts would you know, give permission for companies to create games, toys, or whatever. And actually, when you and I first got in Lord of the Rings, if you remember, uh, the company that made Lord of the Rings, Decipher, remember they had the Star Wars card game? Yeah, exactly. Yep. They and it was probably one of their leading games, what they were growing the company on, I believe. Sure it was. I mean, there was tons of people playing that card game, and that was their bread and butter. Now, they made Lord of the Rings, which was popular, but it had to get popular because LucasArts took the rights from them and then eventually gave them to Wizards for them to do some other things. So all of a sudden, this, this company was like, uh-oh, we've only got Lord of the Rings and actually, when the Lord of the Rings movie craze died down, it it, it put them under. Uh, they don't even exist anymore. I think they tried to get back together and, and form some game, other card game. But well, they have the versus system. They talk about kilos and all that. They still have a website. You can still get the kilos and do that kind of stuff. But that's about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's it's not nearly what it was. But anyway, so the franchise, the the the, um, the rights got moved. Well. Back in 2010, um, LucasArts sold the rights to develop games to Fantasy Flight. So now Fantasy Flight has the license, and what have they done with it? Well, they've come out with a living card game that's actually just recently released. They came out with an X-Wing Miniatures game that was released uh, several months ago. And this um, winter season they just released the star wars rpg beginners box so now fantasy flight is creating all these games and the the rights have been sold to disney now i'm curious are they going to let fantasy flight continue making games i mean i'm sure there's some sort of agreement to protect fantasy flight over a couple years that they own it but i i would think that fantasy flight's got to be thinking uh uh-oh you know when our contract runs up or our license runs out, are they going to renew it? Because, you know, Disney kind of does things their own way. Right. I mean, but, you, but yeah, only 13 will tell, and you're absolutely right. We'll, there'll be a challenge for them. And, and, but Dis, if anything, Disney knows how to make money. They know how to please their customers. I mean, you know, I've been to Disney. 
So if it's a moneymaker, they'll probably continue with it. But you're right, if they can probably sell it off somewhere, they might do it. They may sell it to another high bidder. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that was kind of my biggest surprise, and, and which leads to I wonder how it's going to affect all these brand new products that just came out. And I guess, you know, only time will tell on that one. So for our last segment, we want to take a little bit of time and look ahead to 2013. And what are some games and uh, that are coming out this year that we're kind of excited about? And I'll go ahead and take the first one because it kind of ties into my top game of 2012, which was the Lords of Waterdeep. Well, it was announced that Wizards is going to release a, an expansion to Lords of Waterdeep called Scoundrels of Skullport. Now, a couple things excite me about this. Number one, it's a this an expansion with some um, uh, possibly some some new, it's talking about some new dungeons being there and some new elements being added, but also they're going to add uh, the ability for a sixth player to be involved. The original game you can only play two to five. And when the original game came out, there's spaces on the board for uh, a certain number of players, and there was like a sixth space that wasn't used. So everybody had kind of already figured out that must be for an expansion. Well, it, it's true. This expansion will now allow you to play six players, which, hey, more players is always good. But I'm really excited to see uh, what's going to be in this. Uh, they haven't released a lot about it. They're talking about there being new lords, new buildings, and all this stuff for a six player. So. I hope it's one of those where it adds a whole new element to it that makes it a little bit different and not just a six player. So that's probably the first thing I'm most looking forward to. What about you? Well, probably for 13, one of the things I want to do is that we picked up here at the end of 12 was the Iron Kingdom role-playing game uh, from Privateer Press. I'm interested in, for 13, what they're going to do with the franchise. I'll admit I wasn't a big role player back in the day, but I'm kind of curious to see how much they're going to develop that. I know they've got some more books coming out, but I'm kind of curious to see where this goes. I, I know they got their start with the role playing before they went into the miniatures. So we'll see how they develop and how they continue to support that, our, the, the new Iron Kingdom role playing game. Yeah, I, I am too. In fact, they just released a, an expansion for that. Uh, urban urban adventures which adds some new stuff and so I'm, I'm excited about the product one thing is the iron kingdom's world is really cool it's very much fleshed out there's a deep story there uh there, there's a lot to build a role-playing game upon and i think they've done a really good job of tying the world that it's in world machine and putting it in here and also i just think the combat uh, dynamics really translate well if you play the miniature game you can pick up on the role-playing game really easy right and which is one of the big things i want to see how it goes and how they develop it if anything providing those scenarios i mean D D is so deep and so long and you know it's hard to break into that so hopefully they'll have the capability and with their uh, no quarter magazine they'll be able to support that product fairly well so i'll be interested in 13. Now, the other thing I'm kind of interested in in 13, Marty, is the what we heard at Origins. And this was back in May, right? Did we go in May or when did we go? It was late May. It was late May. Um, we were sitting there and I went up to Z-Man Games. I was looking at their product and I was telling them, you know, how much, how Pandemic was my favorite game of theirs. And I, I really enjoyed playing it. And, uh, you know, however, the expansion, 
uh, doesn't really come out that often for us other than the roles. And they said, well, wait till you see our expansion for this year. I was like, what? What was this? So I'm looking forward to, and they said it was going to come out in the fourth quarter of 12. I didn't make it. So I'm hoping in 13, the new pandemic expansion will be out where they've added a new level. According to the guys there, when we were sitting there and they, they walked by the table where we were playing a game, you know, that you've got to develop a lab to not just a research, but something about a lab. I'm really looking forward to that. How can they make one of my favorite co-op games better in 13? I'm really um, looking forward to that in 13. I hope it shows up on their website. Uh, they used to produce this uh, newsletter that would give you updates. I haven't seen that in forever. So I know they've changed ownerships, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see where Z-Man Games goes in 2013. Probably one of my favorite producers um, of games, especially with, with them holding the license of Pandemic. How about you? Yeah, Pandemic, bam. Just to reiterate, Pandemic is an awesome game, and we will be talking more about that in the future, and I'm very curious about the expansion on that one, too. The other game I'm actually kind of looking forward to is one that I just signed up for on Kickstarter uh, about uh, a couple, couple weeks ago. It's from an independent designer uh, who actually lives in our area. His name is uh, Robert Burke. And he's coming out with a game called Battle for Souls. And the purpose of this game, it's like a card drafting um, deck building game. And the purpose is is, is you have uh, uh, agents of heaven and, and agents of hell who are basically trying to fight for human souls. But the one thing that really drew me to this game is the art on the card. Now, the art on this card is uh, from... Famous painters like uh, Michelangelo and Raphael and and the other Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was um, if if you've if you've never seen the arts on the on the card, I highly recommend going out either to the Kickstarter site or going to uh, Board Game Geek and looking at the Battle for Souls. The art is really good. It's the stuff that was painted you know hundreds of years ago to represent the different aspects of of, of the card game and stuff like that. So. Obviously, it's funny that, you know, usually I'm more interested in gameplay, which I am, and I hope it's it's a fun game. It does look fun, but it's the art that's really kind of sold me on it, so I'm really curious to see how that goes, and I think that's supposed to be released um, in the in the sec, uh, late second or the early third quarter of next year. I can't wait to piggy tell or piggyback onto your um, kickstart there and get to play that game. I look forward to that, because, yeah, I've thought about kicking into it, and I haven't pulled the trigger yet, so I'm I'm still hemming and hawing on that one. So so you need to to sell me a little bit more on it. All right, I'll do that. All right, and last but not least, well, this one was far off the radar. It was supposed to come out in twelve for me. We played a game called Spycraft. I think that was from AEG, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was a card game. It was about spies, and you had to do missions and. And I just love that theme. Well, there's a game that's supposed to come out in 13. It's supposed to be released at, um, it's, I think it's pronounced, is it Essen? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes, Essen. The, Essen the German Gaming to, Convention. The German Gaming Convention. Yes. And it's supposed to be released. It's called Rogue Agent. I'm really interested in seeing how that one gets. Uh, it's supposed to be out in 12, like I said, but they pushed it to 13. It's about spies, and, and that's one theme that I really enjoy playing. I love Spycraft for that. So I really look forward to that. That's kind of one of those far-out ones, but 
we'll see what happens, and that may be just that may be next year when we're doing our podcast on what we found a big surprise in thirteen. That might be it for me. Nice. I think that pretty well ends the show for today, Marty. And I look forward to 13 and the games that are coming out. I know our next podcast in 13, a little hint at it. If you haven't picked up on from our previous shows, we love card games, collecting card games. So I think that's what episode three is going to be about. Oh, they're throwing out a little teaser there, huh? Yeah, well, you got to you gotta bring them back for more. You know? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, uh, we, we've talked about them in, all, in the other two episodes. Uh, I'm sure we'll, our casual corner, who knows, a large, popular deck-building game that came out. Hmm, what could like, that hmm, be? Yeah, really. Um, along with the living card game system, uh, uh, things like that. So. But anyway, um, we'll see everybody in 2013. Yeah, and uh, so looking at the clock here, we did go over 30 minutes. But here's here's our reason. It's 2012, so that's leap year, right? So, you know, leap year, you get an extra day. So on our, you know, closing out podcast for the year, we get like an extra 15 minutes or so. How's that sound? Uh, that works for me. All right, like cool. It. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, if you want to um, check us out, you can come out to the uh, website at uh, RollDiceTakeNames.com. That is the site of our blog. And you can also subscribe to our podcast there. And uh, in the next couple episodes, are probably going to be um, on iTunes. So you can download and subscribe to the podcast from there. And I would just like to wish everybody a great 2013. And here's to gaming. start all over.